Good morning. We're a smaller group this morning, but I know we're all here in full heart and mind, correct? Amen. And some of you that just woke up? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, this is exciting. Uh, the week before the kickoff, and uh, lots of activity is going to be happening, so I trust you'll make sure you connect with the announcements and uh, uh, look online and find out uh, the things that are going to be happening in the near future. Just a, a reminder, there are some uh, uh, prayer calendar sheets on the back table for those of you that like to be praying for things around the church and in particular missions. We have a missions calendar for each month. Uh, just grab one on your way out. You can email us and we'll send you one electronically if you want, but there's some there as well. So last week we saw from Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 6 to 8, that God has given certain gifts to the church. And one of the things that I found very helpful in my life many years ago in trying to figure out who I was and, and why God had called me to things that he had called me to and why I was doing what I was doing and why I was seeing the results that I was getting, uh, God led me into kind of a framework for the gifts of the Spirit that had really helped me put it all together. And so we've been going through that series. If you're visiting with us today, part one and two, and today is part three, the end of that. And we define it as motivational gifts, ministry gifts, and manifestation gifts. Now, this is just a framework that helps us as humans. I wouldn't die uh, touting it as being the only way to understand the gifts of the Spirit. But it's something that really did help me, and I trust that it's going to help you as you move along in the journey as well. And that, of course, comes from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, where it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, and different kinds of workings, but the same Lord again. And so this variety of motivations we found from Romans chapter 12 kind of indicated those inner drives that God gives us at the time of salvation. And the scriptures say to us that we have at least one gift that was given to us at the time of our salvation. So if we look at it from a motivational point of view, a motivation gift is what drives you. And so you may, because God is a situational God, in terms of ministry, ministry is happening all over the place at different times, different ways, different approaches, and we just have to fit in with that. So he'll give you a motivation that will have many ministries and many manifestations may be attached to it, but your drive is what will make you who you are in the midst of that gift. So we identified the seven as prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, administration, and mercy. So if you have one of those seven gifts and you have a ministry of teaching, the drive of the motivation will make you the kind of teacher that you are. So if you have the gift of mercy, you will be a merciful teacher. If you have the gift of exhortation, you will teach with exhortation, and so on and so on. When I was 11 years old, I lived in a, a little country place that doesn't exist anymore. I took my kids there one time, McMorrin, Saskatchewan, to show them where we lived, and it was just a field. It was so depressing. Uh, my dad was a grain elevator agent, so there were two elevators and three houses, and that's where we lived. But I remember uh, my dad saying to me one day, hey, I want you to come out to the chemical shed. And I thought, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> you know, going to the shed, right? Uh, but he said, I want you to come to the chemical shed, and so I did. And he said, uh, just go and check around and see what's under that tarp. 
Now, my dad had put a gift there for me for Christmas and my brother and my sisters, uh, sister. And he wanted me to go and pull the tarp off that. It was something that he had prepared for me, something he had planned as a surprise to give us. I had a choice. I could either go lift the tarp up and look and see what was there, or I could just say, thanks, Dad, I love you, and walk away. And how silly would that be, correct, at 11 years old? So I raced over there as fast as I could, and I yanked off that tarp, and there was a go-kart the size of a golf cart. It had a Briggs & Stratton engine on it, 12 horsepower, and I took that baby out, and somebody clocked me at 52 miles per hour. My dad found out about that, and the next day, there was a governor on it. In a week, I had the pleasure of having my sister and my brother in it, and I rolled it. <laughs> but that's another sermon and another story in my driving. Um, but it was a cool thing, and it was a gift that my dad gave me. And if I would have just walked away and not unwrapped that, the and for me. I apologize for this mic. We don't know what's going on. It works when I'm bouncing around all the time. As soon as I get a spot, something happens. So why don't that help? There. What about if we try over here? Anyway, we'll just let it go as it goes and, and things will work out okay. But here's what John 16, 7 says. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And who's the counselor? Well, the counselor is the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus left the earth, he didn't leave us abandoned. He, he sent the Holy Spirit to help us walk the journey now as he's in heaven with the Father. And it's the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today. And we read in Ephesians 4, 4 to 8, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all. But to each one, a grace has been given by Christ. So he gives the gifts to the church, not so that we can tout our gifts and say, well, I have the gift of teaching. That's so good. I wish you could have that gift. Too bad. So sad, Charlie. No, he gave us the gifts so that we could build the church. And that's the primary thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the churches today need to remember. The gifts are not given for our individual use. They are given for the body of Christ. Now, it will have an effect upon us as an individual, but the purpose of the gifts are for the body of Christ. And you'll remember the illustration that I gave one of the churches where I was pastoring, had on the sign my name as the minister of the church. The first thing I did with my elders as I told you, is I had them change that. Ministers, the congregation, and then had pastor below that. Because the ministers of a church really are the congregants, and that's you. You are the ministers of the church. And so 1 Peter 4.10 then said, but to each one, whoever you are, you should use the gift that you've received faithfully, administrating it, and I'll put my own words in here, in the local body of believers. And then we transcend that because the church is an organism. It's worldwide. The kingdom of God is much bigger than new life. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be used for the kingdom of God. And so some gifts will be used in different ways around the world even in many different ways. Matthew 25, 14 talks about the parable of the talents and how sad that was that some who were given the gift from the uh, person would uh, just put their money away and invest it, 
they would do something with it, but there was one person who buried it and did nothing with it. And Jesus really highlights that and says, you foolish person, so to speak, why didn't you at least put it in the bank? So we have something in the area of stewardship that God has given us, a gift from the Holy Spirit that will reflect itself in ministries and manifestations. And so today I want to start off by just looking at these last two things, the variety of ministries and a variety of manifestations. Now, the ministries and manifestations, there are gifts mentioned twice. So I'm going to go through the, manifest, the ministries first and then the manifestations, and so we'll talk about some of the gifts two times. But that's just so we can understand that the gift is in that particular chart. So if we think, first of all, then, at this whole area of a variety of ministries, let's read the scripture together here. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Ephesians, or oh, pardon me, all are not apostles, are they? All are not teachers, are they? Do all practice miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And then Ephesians says, they're given for a reason, as Dick highlighted last week. God has given the gifts to the church, and some of those gifts are pastors, are leaders, who their main ministry goal is that they would equip the saints so that we are all built up in Christ. But that's also the purpose of your gift. It's not for you, per se. It's to build up the body of Christ. So what you have, you have to release. You would be a poor steward if you did not release your gift. In fact, I would be so bold as to tell you, you'd be very, very frustrated and likely sitting in my counseling office trying to understand why the joy in your life has disappeared. Because the gifts are attached to our joy. And when we serve him in our gifts, we have great joy. So a pro apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, miracle worker, healers, helper, administrator, and tongues. Let's walk through those then and just kind of get an idea of what they mean. And I'll try and give some illustrations as we go along today. My message is a little bit longer today, so just sit back, relax. If you need to stand up and just shake or whatever, go ahead. Uh, we won't kick you out. But when we think of apostle, I'm not so sure the, the office of apostle is still in existence today. But the ministry of an apostle is definitely there. And I'm aware that there are some denominational uh, people who believe apostles are still in the office of apostle. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. I'll see them in heaven anyway just as much as they'll see me. So it doesn't matter. But if there is no office of apostle, there definitely is a ministry of an apostle. And the ministry of an apostle would be like our everyday uh, missionary. It's one who has oversight of a number of churches, one who is sent. It's a modern-day missionary, so to speak, and one who lays a foundation. Uh, it's a sent one. Modern-day missionary, again, would be an example of that. So that's why when we talk about missionaries around the world and they're, they're building the church around the world, they're really fulfilling that ministry of an apostle. That's what an apostle would do in the early church, to establish churches and build up people in the process. The next gift that we have is the gift of prophet. And 
Remember what I said about prophecy last time. The drive, the motivation for truth. The prophet has that particular ministry. They communicate God's truth, and it could be forthtelling or foretelling. What I mean by that is if you look at the phrase, it is written, or thus says the Lord, could be two different ways that a prophet exercises his or her ministry in the church. They're proclaiming something from God. So we have the word of God, and when pastor stands up and preaches from the word of God, he has a prophetic voice for us. He's encouraging, and he's equipping, and he's building. That's kind of the role of the prophet. But also there are those times when there's a thus saith the Lord moment. And this may scare some of you because you've never had an experience where someone has done that. I thank God that I've had many, many experiences of that happening around me where someone has stood up in the midst and, and says, I really feel that God has given me a message. Now, some of the best ways that I've ever seen that done is usually when they've made a connection with the pastoral team and the elders and they've really built a good relationship with them so that they know each other well so that if that ever happens where God puts a word on the heart and they stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, the elders and the pastoral staff are going to be able to support that. But one of the best ways I've ever seen this done was actually we were attending a service over in one of the churches in town here at Lloyd Gospel Fellowship, and there was a lady who came over from First Baptist Church, and she had said to the pastor, Pastor, I really believe that God has given me a message for your church. Now, Pastor Heath, how would you like that if somebody showed up on your doorstep step and said, I've got a message for your church? I'd say, thank you, come back Tuesday. <laughs> no, uh, Pastor Lyle was so gracious, and Pastor Lyle um, took the word and, and bounced it off the team, and they said, this is consistent with what God would be saying to our body. And so he invited her to come up on the platform. I was still amazed by this. A lady from First Baptist Church coming over to Lloyd Gospel Fellowship with a word from the Lord. How ironic is that? Some of you will get it later when you think about that. <laughs> but it was cool to see her give that word. And it was a very soft and graceful word. And, and very exhorting and very challenging to the congregation and to the pastoral team. And it, basically, I can't remember what the message was, but it was something like, let's get our priorities in order. Let's remember the one who died for us. Let's put him first in all that we do. And it was just a very, very special moment. So, so the, thus saith the Lord can happen. I've been in a church service where somebody stood up and said, this is what the Lord says, and then they've given their word, and then somebody else would affirm it. So it can happen in many, many different ways. And I think it's something that as a congregation, if we really believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have to be prepared. And that's going to be a leadership team responsibility of our church, and we trust that they will do that. Now, in this ministry of a prophet, it does include this idea of exhortation, where there's a push towards becoming like Christ. So prophets are subject to the ministry of prophets. And when a prophet says they have a word from the Lord, other prophets will validate that. And if they don't, you question whether or not that's from the Lord. It's a good check system. Let's look at the next one, evangelist. A proclaimer of God's message primarily to the unbelievers. Now, Philip was an evangelist, and it says in Acts 8, 5, that he went down to the city in Samaria 
and he proclaimed Christ there. So that's his ministry. And then it says in uh, 21.8, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist. Now here's a real interesting little scripture. One of the seven. He had two gifts showing up here now. He was an evangelist, the minister of an evangelist, and he, was also, he also had the ministry of, of helps. He was one of the seven deacons chosen in the book of Acts for service. So that's another interesting thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God is a situational God, and he will apply the gifts wherever they are needed. So if I'm just in tune with God and I just say, Lord, I'm an open vessel, use my life wherever you want to use my life, I may find myself doing many different ministries. One of my greatest joys is serving as an usher. I love it. It's so much fun. And you say, well, why aren't you doing it? Well, that's another story. But I, I love that because it, it just releases something in me. So you see, I know I have the gift of exhortation as a motivational gift, but God has given me over the years many different ministry gifts. And as we'll see here, some manifestation gifts as well. So this whole idea then of an evangelist is that they will have a passion and a heart to share Christ. We'll come back to that because it's mentioned again. If we look at um, the next gift, which is pastor-teacher, now I'm not 100% sure, and I didn't really have time to check this out. I was going to, but it just time got away from me. I had a funeral this week. Um, but I don't know if, if these two are connected in the original language or if it's just the English rendering of it. I'll have to check that out. But I think it is pastor-teacher. I think it's a combination. And so if that's the case, then the pastor side of this would be the shepherd. That would be the one who oversees and cares for. And in Jeremiah 3.15, it says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will what? Who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. We covet our pastors being able to lead us with knowledge and understanding. Now, this is so crucial, because why do we come on a Sunday morning? Well, I hope we come to glorify God, but I come to get fed. How about you? I come to have God's word opened up and applied in my life so that during the week I can walk and, and have grown because of what's happened. And so we need to pray for our pastor, teacher, that he would have the time to do that. You know, when I first started out in ministry, I needed about 14 hours of really solid study time to prepare my sermons. When I had been in ministry for over 10 years, I found myself with a pattern of about nine hours. But let's just round it off and say Pastor Heath needs 10 hours out of his week for just study. You can understand how his week disappears, right? So we need to pray that God would continue to give him the time that he needs for good quality study so that he can be the pastor teacher. Now, if we think of, oh, there's that verse there, by the way, Jeremiah. If we think about the teacher side of this, it's one who communicates instruction. And there will be a motivation in there to validate the truth, to clarify and preserve the truth. So again, the teacher is going to be uh, one that's careful in their study, that's going to uh, perhaps stretch your brain a little bit and, and teach you things that are beyond that you've thought about or looked at. And so in, in the neighborhood, pastor-teachers are well-known for the quality of their sermons and their messages and just their whole life. Um, so it's a great ministry gift. 
Then we have the effecting of miracles. Now, what is a miracle? Well, let's go back here, sorry. It, a miracle is a performance of something which is against the law of nature. If nature can explain it, it may not be a miracle. But if nature can't explain it, it, it's probably a miracle. It's a supernatural power to intervene and counteract earthly and evil forces. So there are all kinds of miracles. And let's not get caught in a little box of what a miracle has to look like. The very fact that I'm standing here today and I came to Christ at the age of 19 is a miracle. The very fact that God kept you from going down the road I was going is a miracle. See, miracles come in different ways. And sometimes we think of manifestation gift of miracle uh, as being the only kind of miracle there is. No, miracles happen all the time. And so a miracle is a performance of something. The word miracle comes from a Greek word dunamis, which means power uh, and might that will produce. So, so a miracle worker is someone that produces power or sees things supernaturally happen. It operates closely within the gifts of faith and um, healings to bring about authority uh, through the scriptures. They can be defined as supernatural intercessions of, intercessions of God. Dr. Stanley once said, if you can explain everything that goes on in your church, you're in trouble. Isn't that good? If we can explain everything that's going on in our church, we're in trouble. And see, here's the thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It can be messy sometimes. When God is at move, when God is at work, it, it's out of our box, it's out of our paradigm. And we say, wait a minute, church is not supposed to be that way, is it? But it can be exciting when God starts doing miracle work. Let me give you an example. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I had this in another part, but I want to tell it now. When I was pastoring, we had a missionary come and visit us when we were over in the liquor board store over there, down by the tracks, where the interval home is now. We turned that into a church, had a lot of fun there. She was speaking, she was from the Philippines, and she was just telling her story. She was just talking. Now, I had a knee injury from when I was a food and was showing off to a group of girls to do a flying sidekick and landed on my knee and basically tore all the ligaments in it. And that was, injury had been there for a long, long time. As I was sitting in that service, no one prayed for me, no one said anything. Just her word, her testimony was coming. And I was really involved in that. All of a sudden, God looked down upon me with mercy and he healed my knee. Now, I felt a warm sensation going into my knee. And I knew immediately that God had healed my knee. I didn't know why, because I, I really hadn't asked him at that moment to heal it. He just chose to heal it in that moment of time. So when the missionary took a breath, I stood up and said, you know, I really have to share this. God just healed my knee. And it was just like it is right now. <laughs> and I said, people, God just healed my knee. Hello. And then everybody woke up and said, praise the Lord. That's great. Wow, wonderful. We just don't expect these things, yet God does them. And sometimes they can be like that. So then we come to, um, sorry, this thing uh, is very sensitive. If you hit it the wrong way, there. Gifts of healing. The ability to heal different kinds of diseases of the body and the soul. Now, it's interesting, in the scriptures, healing really has three dimensions to it. It has the physical dimension, so things that are physical, like diabetes, blindness, cancer, deafness, 
but it also has emotional healing attached, jealousy, worry, discouragement, uh, and other destructive attitudes. And then it has a spiritual side to it, which is bitterness, greed, guilt, etc. So there can be healing in all dimensions of the human body. And that's why I like the RSV version, because it says healers, because it's plural. It, it's a different kind of a ministry of healing in all different ways. Now, did you know that we have the minister of healing in this church? Did you know that we have some people that have the gift of healing in this church? They're the elders. James 5 says, if we're sick, what? Call the elders of the church to anoint us with oil and pray for us and we will be healed. We forget about this ministry gift. And, and here's a challenge to you elders. Um, get a grip. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this is a great ministry. We need to have a bottle of oil up here, pastors, so that if somebody ever needed to be healed, the elders could just come and ask God for the healing. And let's remember, it's not the elders that do the healing. It's the Lord who does the healing. They're just a vessel. So uh, healing can come through the touch of faith, laying out of hand, speaking the word of faith, be healed in the name of Jesus, uh, or by the presence of God just being manifested, as in my example of my knee. God just showed up and had mercy on me. Let's look at the next one, helps. This uh, gift has the connotation of serving and giving, and it's packed full of mercy and hospitality. It's one who assists the weak and the needy. It has the uh, ability to see practical needs and, and has a real joy in freeing others up. You know, I did a funeral this week out in Marwain, and uh, the pastor had asked the congregation as soon as the funeral was over if some people could just stay behind from going out and just put up all around tables. So it was a situation like this where we put the chairs away, we bring out the round tables, and then they had lunch afterwards. And there was one fellow there that I knew. He had moved away to uh, uh, Medicine Hat. There was one fellow there that when I was the interim pastor out at that little church, he stood out in my mind as being a superhero with the gift of helps. And wouldn't you know it, when the pastor asked men to stick around, guess who was the first one to the door where the tables were? It was this guy, Dennis. He just was there. Why? Well, because that's his gift. And he finds great joy in doing that. He was the guy that kept the church looking beautiful on the outside and the grass and the trees. He was the guy that was there on his days off cutting grass and washing windows and cleaning. He had a ministry to the church that was so wonderful and good to see. One who assists the weak and the needy in practical ways. Some churches have even built um, a garage beside their church and the mechanics in their church have a ministry of helping widows and others with their vehicles. They change their oil, they give them tune-ups, all for free. So many, many different creative ways that the gift of helps can be involved. Um, it's beautiful. We're looking at these nice new lights up here. How do you think they got up there? We had some people who... Yeah, a miracle! <laughs> Let there be light! Oh! <laughs> Yeah, we, we had some people that um, were serving in this particular ministry gift. Now, they may not have had the gift of helps, but they were doing a ministry of helps. Do you see how the connection is? Let's go on. Administration. Uh, from to steer a ship is where that word comes from. It understands the immediate and long-term goals and devises a plan to execute these goals. 
Uh, it has this idea of a herdsman who steers the vessel. Uh, a helmsman, pardon me, not a herdsman. A helmsman. Uh, well, I suppose you could steer. Anyway, uh, a helmsman who steers the vessel. Ministry of managing and directing others. So you just think about this for a moment. You think about people in the congregation. Who stands out as always leading and, and encouraging others to follow and taking the bull by the horns? And if everybody's sitting in the circle and no one's leading, they pop up and say, okay, let's do this, right? That could be a gift of administration in terms of a ministry. And then we come to the big one that has split so many churches in this world that I can't count them. The uh, various kinds of tongues. I like that the author says various kinds of tongues because, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in this area and I don't speak in tongues, but I've been around it all my 39 years of being a Christian. I have many good friends who speak in tongues. I have many uh, past, er, preached in many churches where the gift of tongues is believed in and practiced. And so, you know, I think I can say a few words about it, although I don't have the gift. And I told you the story where when I first became a Christian, I was told that I had to have the gift. And so I sat down on the floor in my living room on my trailer, and I said to God, God, I'm not moving until you give me the gift. And I wrote things down, and I tried reading them really, really fast to just kind of kickstart, you know, how you kickstart some engines. Nothing happened, and finally God gave me a word. You know what the word was? You sure look silly. And then I had a Pentecostal pastor tell me one time, Ross, don't sweat it. It's a gift. God gives as he chooses. If you're going to have it, he'll give it. He's not a God who will hold back if you earnestly desire. So I've just left it alone, and maybe someday before I die, I might speak in tongues. I will say this, uh, as a brand new baby Christian, I caught myself walking to work one day, and all of a sudden I realized I was singing in a heavenly language. I, I didn't know what I was singing. But it was beautiful. That only happened once in my life. Never again. But it was so beautiful and wonderful. And, and I think it might have been, maybe, I don't know, a tongue. But the whole idea of tongues are really, if you look at the scripture, they're related for evangelism. You know, this is an amazing thing. We've turned this around sometimes thinking that the gift of tongues was for the church. But the text says the gift of tongues is for the unbeliever and prophecy is for the church. So if we desire to have anything in our church, we should be longing for prophecy. In fact, Paul refers to it as one of the greater gifts. He said, earnestly desire the greater gifts. But then he says, and we'll close with it later today, but there's a better way, and he takes us into 1 Corinthians 13, which talks about love. You can have all the noisy sound you want, but if you don't have love, you're as nothing. So it's also used in prophecy, where somebody may be given a word from God, and it'll come as a, as a foreign language. And I'll talk more about that as we go along. But it's basically a misunderstood gift. Some people have this gift in praying, and I don't necessarily understand how God uses tongues in praying, but I do know that some people testify to me that when they are uh, moved in their spirit, God will help them pray in an unknown language of some sort. And they take us to the scripture that says that, you know, there will be, um, the Holy Spirit will, will speak to God with groanings that we can't even understand, and that's one of the texts used. I don't know. It's confusing to me, and I just say, if that's the case and it's making your life better, God bless you. But these languages, as we see in the scripture, often were human languages. Um, I had a, uh, an elder in, in one of my churches who had this gift, 
and we had a missionary come from a, a southern part of China, an older retired missionary, and he gave a message to the church one night, and she translated it because it was in her dialect. And he had never been to China. He didn't know how to speak Chinese. And it was in her dialect, which was a, a very unfamiliar dialect. It wasn't Cantonese or Mandarin or Toisan or anything like that. It was an, a very kind of archaic dialect, but he spoke it. And she understood it and interpreted it. So that's the power of different languages. In fact, a missionary by the, uh, by the name of Bob was in the Philippines, and he was preaching in English, but they were hearing him in Tagala. Now, go figure that one. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, except that that's part of the gift that God gave at that time. And so the scriptures tell us that the gift is really primarily for the unbeliever. And remember, if we do these things in the flesh, they don't look so good. If we do them in the spirit, they accomplish what God wants them to. So the gift of tongues is this supernatural utterance through the power of the Holy Spirit in a person that manifests some sort of a spiritual language, and the energizing of the tongue is used to reach the unbeliever, but also edify the body as well if it's used in prophecy. So we read here, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at least three should speak one at a time, and one and someone must interpret. So as a pastor, I've always had that kind of that biblical rule in my heart that if there was a gift of tongues, it could never be left uninterpreted. Uh, uh, so if a word came, it had to be interpreted. And that's just what the scriptures say. Supernatural utterance through the power of the spirit and the person manifesting itself. And it's an energizing of the human tongue. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit moves man's tongue to speak in tongues. Does that make sense? Tongues, then, are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Yeah, you think? <laughs> so the question for, for us, then, is, you know, how, how do we see tongues happening in the church? Well, we're on a journey, maybe. And that's something that is an elder's issue and a pastoral issue. But if you think you have that gift, I encourage you to connect with the pastoral eldership and uh, make them aware of that and seek their input in your life and their wisdom. And, and we'll do this in an orderly way because we're going to see in a minute here that God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. So here's the question as we close off the ministry gifts, and then I'm going to go into the manifestation gifts fairly quickly. Um, but in the whole question we have to ask here is, what do we need then in the church when it comes to these ministry gifts? Well, we need the proclamation of God's word, which is the truth part, the prophecy part. And those who are involved in leading others to Christ and training others how to do it. We need those who shepherd and care for the flock. Those who communicate the truth by teaching. Those who are instrumental in supernatural workings from God. You know, I don't want to go to a church where there's a, a fear that the Holy Spirit is going to move. I want to go to a church where there's a willingness to let God move as God wants to move, but it's in order and it honors him. Um, those who are being used of God to bring about healings. I, I, I tell you, wouldn't it be so exciting if you were sitting here and all of a sudden God just touched your knee? Uh, you'd tell someone about it, wouldn't you? It just has this growing effect that God is a big God 
And there's nothing too small. But what Philip says is sometimes our God is not big enough to become small enough to do what we need him to do. We have a big God. He can do anything he wants to do. Um, those who are involved in helping the weak, the needy, and the neglected. Those who keep things in order and in direction in the church. Those who through a tongue bring non-Christians to the revelation of Christ. I mean, let's, let's be honest. If you walked into a, a service and uh, somebody had a word of prophecy or a tongue and it was about something about you and you knew it in your heart, wouldn't that kind of convince you that God may be alive? I think so. Um, 1 Corinthians says, All are not apostles, all are not prophets, all are not teachers. Do all work miracles? No, they don't. And so here's the freedom that sets you free in the church. If you can identify what drives you in your gift and then just open your heart up and let God lead you in different ministries and just be used by him and have all the fun you can have in the church of Christ. Let's go on really quickly here. How am I doing for time? I've lost track. Pastor, am I okay? Yeah, I appreciate you. He just says, sure, go for it. Uh, so let's look at a variety of manifestations because uh, now he repeats some gifts, but he adds some. So we read here then, um, again, that they're given for the service of the body. So they're given for the common good. To one is given the, the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. So here's the first one then. Here's this word of wisdom. This is a revelation of God's purpose, seeing it from God's point of view. Here's a great example. Now, I no, I don't know. Sometimes we hear these stories and the first thing that comes into our mind is saying, oh, come on, is that true? I don't know. But it comes from a book and it's his story and so we'll validate it. Harold Hill, he's a charismatic, and he wrote in his book a story uh, about when he was on an airplane. And all of a sudden over the intercom system, those words came that horrify us when we're on a plane. Um, friends, we're in trouble. We have trouble. We have a problem. I don't, can't remember how they worded it. If any of you are spiritual, pre please pray. Okay. So that's exactly what he did. He said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I ask you to, to give me a word of wisdom that I would know what's going on. And so God gave him a vision in his mind's eye of the undercarriage of the airplane, and he saw the hydraulic system. And he knew in his heart that there was a problem with the hydraulic system. Now, he wasn't telling anybody this. He was just praying. And so then we move on to the next gift, which is the word of knowledge. That's where there's insight or illumination of how to apply the wisdom that God just gave you. And so he said, Lord, I need a word of wisdom to know how to solve this problem. And so then God showed him that there was no oil. And that's why the wheels weren't coming down is because the oil had drained out of the hydraulic system. Okay, so now he's had a word of wisdom, what the problem was. He's had a word of knowledge to know how to fix it. Now what do you do? There are no more gifts left. Oh, yes, there is. What do you pray for? You pray for a miracle. And so he entered into the, the ministry and the manifestation of a miracle, and he said, Lord, take care of the problem. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you will. And long story short, just before they land, the wheels came down and they were all safe. So that's how the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom would take place. 
It happens in other ways, too. I know in, in counseling, sometimes I've been saying, God, this is a very complex situation with this person. They're hurting so deeply. There's something going on there that we just can't see. Give me a word of wisdom that I might know. And then God will show me something in my mind's eye. And so I'll ask a question. Let me give you an example. This is a sad story. Uh, was working with a person, and their life was in a mess. And as I was talking with them and praying with them, they were a believer, so I could do that. I asked them, I said, have you ever had abuse in your history? And, and I could just tell the whole picture on her face changed. And she said, why? And I said, well, I prayed, and I have this picture of a floor and somebody being put in a hole in the floor of the house. And she just burst. And we couldn't talk for a long time because of the tears. Her father used to discipline her by putting her in the floor and putting the board on top where it was dark and scary. It was one of those little houses that had no basement, just a dirt floor. That would be a word of wisdom. All right, now I'm emotionally moved. What do I do? You pray for a word of knowledge. Lord, how do I help this person? How can we move forward from this? And on went the story. And that was the word of knowledge. That was that insight or that illumination of how to fix it. Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? The church was just getting going and people were selling things and giving stuff back to the church to support the needy. Ananias and Sapphira were, were uh, lying to God. So the, the apostle said, why are you lying to God? They had kept back some of the money and didn't tell them. But the apostle, the disciple, had a word of knowledge that that's what they did. And God took care of them because they died right on the spot. As a lesson to the rest of the church, don't play games with God. Um, the next one we see is the gift of faith. I love this gift, and I wish we had more people with this, this manifestation gift. It's faith for supernatural ministry. It's visualizing what God wants. I have a little bit of this gift in me. And I shared this with Pastor Heath, and he shared it with you, but he didn't mention my name. But I was out sitting in the parking lot one night just praying for new life. And you say, what a weirdo. <laughs> no, I, I just had a burden on my heart for new life, and I was sitting out in the parking lot praying. And God just began to speak to my heart. And he said, it just sort of basically comes down to have faith, believe that this could happen. And I shared that with Pastor, and he shared it with you. Another time this happened in my life, this gift of faith, uh, my one elder that I told you about, a uh, very spiritual man, he actually uh, was a, um, had polio since the age of five, walked on his hand, his feet behind him. And every once in a while, because of the pressure he was putting on his shoulders and his arms, his one arm would seize. And he was a credit union manager, and he needed that arm. It was his writing arm. So we were in a prayer meeting one night, and he said, Ross, God has put it on my heart that you're supposed to pray for my healing. What? No pressure there. I was a new believer. And in fact, I was so new, I had lots of faith. Oh, sure, God can do that. And so I just prayed and said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on Alan. Please heal his arm. That's all I said. And next thing I knew, he was thrusting his arm, and he was saying, praise God. I walked away from that with a whole new lesson about what faith can do. And so we need people who have faith. And the, verse 9 says, to one is given faith by the same spirit. The next one we find is the gifts of healing. 
Now, we mentioned this already, so I'll just add a couple things to it. Healing is not, I like this, I want to read it carefully. It's not a matter of God's discovering a man or woman with great faith, but it's a question of a man or a woman discovering a God of almighty power. Isn't that good? See, God does the healings. It's, it's not me, it's not anyone else. God does the healings. And the person with the healing gift doesn't have to be sensationalist. They don't have to stand up and yell and scream. Healing can take place just very, very quietly. Um, sometimes when I'm in a church service and I see someone who's really physically hurting in some way, I'll just pray for them. I'll just say, Lord, in your mercy, touch their body and, and give healing to them if that's part of your will. S sometimes God may work on that. I don't know. But I just take for granted that God's a healer. Well, we better move along here. Sorry, we're really taking a lot of time here today. Um, he called the disciples together and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. We see this happening on the mission field, healings. Can I ask you a question? Why don't we see it here? Some of you actually have testimonies of being healed. And I wish we had more time. I'd love to open the floor and say, can you give a testimony? But we can't. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will even do greater things. And what did Jesus do? He healed. Verse 10, we have miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. So here we come again then to these effecting of miracles. We've talked a little bit about that. There are many, many different miracles out there. Prophecy. Um, something brought to light God's future plan and proclamation is made known so when that gift comes somebody might say I've, I have this hunch or I feel like God is saying if someone says God told me I get a little nervous and I want to check it out first tell me more how did God tell you and let's have a little process of making sure that this is just not of the human flesh. Because we can be tricked by the human flesh. And did you know that scripture also says that Satan can duplicate the gifts of the spirit? So just because someone speaks in a tongue, just because someone heals, doesn't mean it's of God. That's why we're told in the scriptures, test the spirits to see if they're so. Uh, when we look at discernment, this is one that's often under, misunderstood as well. In this text, it says the idea, the, the ability to distinguish, to identify spirits that are prompting the actions of people. So a person with the biblical gift of discernment would be able to tell where the fingerprints of Satan are at work in the life of that individual. But the person with discernment, as I've observed over the years in, in the ministry gift and the manifestation gift, is a person who is very, very sensitive in their spirit. And they can tell things in their, they have hunches. They, they have these sort of, hmm, you know, kind of moments where they, they, they can't judge your motivation because only God can do that, but they have a sense that this doesn't sound quite right. Something's off here. And, and that gift is often given to people who are in a ministry of counseling, uh, but also to uh, pastors and elders and leadership. But it, it's also a gift to the body, and sometimes you may have that. Well, let's move along here. The next one is various tongues. Again, we, talks about, we talked about that. And all I want to say here about tongues is that 
uh, tongues are there for getting attention uh, of the unbeliever. They're there to edify the church. They're assigned to the unbelievers. And again, um, I don't propose to know everything about tongues, and I'm still learning about that, and that's a journey that I'm on. But it's where the Holy Spirit energizes the tongue, and it's a different language, be it an older human language, be it a heavenly language, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this. I went on YouTube one day and found this video, and it was really an interesting video. It was a neurosurgeon who hooked someone up who had the gift of tongues, hooked them up, their brain waves, to identify their brain waves, and they had them pray in tongues. Then they hooked up somebody from another religion just praying, and they compared the two. And there was something radically different about the person who spoke in tongues in terms of the brainwave. Something was happening. So you can go on YouTube and look that up. Uh, it was very, very interesting. He, the, the, the doctor, the scientist said, no, I'm not saying anything. He said, I just did the experiment. That's all I did. I'm not making any assumptions. So it was very, very interesting. Um, three purposes. Again, get attention, edify the church, signed unbelievers. Three ways it can be used, praying in the Spirit or with the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, and blessing with the Spirit. Interpretations of tongues is very, very important. Um, the Scriptures say when a tongue is given, there should be an interpretation. So if a church is given in the church, you should expect an interpretation. If someone speaks in an unknown language, you should be able to have an interpretation of what that means. Verse 11 says, all these things work of one and the same spirit. He gives them just as he determines. So we need to pray for an interpreter. What shall we say then, brothers? When we come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So how do you recognize your gift as we wrap up today? I've talked a lot about this, and I, you know, like I said, this is a 12 a 12-hour seminar done in three Sundays. And so I've had to really skip through a lot, a lot of good stuff. But how do you recognize your gift? You know, Paul said, earnestly desire the greater gifts, but I still tell you a better way. So there is something about desiring the gifts of the Spirit. It's not sin. It's not wrong to desire the gifts. What's wrong is if I covet Pastor Heath's gift of teaching. That's not right. But there's nothing wrong with saying, God, show me what my motivational gift is, show me how you want to use me in a ministry in the church. So desire it, but then how do you know if you have a gift? If you don't unwrap the present, you'd never know. So you have to start finding a ministry that you can see whether or not you're gifted. I mentioned to you last week quite boldly that the Pareto Principle says that 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 20% of the people give 80% of the funding. It's very accurate, trust me. 39 years of ministry, I've seen it. And so what we have to say is, okay, Lord, if you give the gifts as you choose, you'll just put us where we're supposed to be. So you sit down with the pastoral team, with leadership, and you say, you know what, I think I have the gift of music or singing or leading. Can I try it out? And they'll let you try it out. They'll put you in a place. And as long as you're open to them saying, uh, I think you maybe are hearing the wrong word here. Let's try this and see if that works better. But you, you've, you've got to explore the possibilities. You've got to experiment with ministries. Uh, if you've never ushered before, how 
good would it be for you just to say, hey, could I usher this Sunday and get involved and try it out, make some coffee, uh, whatever, find a ministry, examine the effectiveness of that ministry, evaluate the effect, and then have the confirmation of the leaders to say, you know what, I really believe this is true. You know, when I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19, I had such a radical transformation in my life. And one of the things that I really love about the church that I was attached to is they let me experiment. And they were honest with me. And one time the pastor was preaching on the need for an adult Sunday school teacher. I was just a young pup in the face. I, I didn't know how to teach. I was a photographer. I was in business. And, and I said to the pastor, I said, Pastor, I'm really feeling a movement in my heart that I'm supposed to say yes to this. And he said, great. And then he trained me, taught me how to do it. He showed me how to do it. And then I had people in the Sunday school class come to me and say, Ross, I really think that could be one of your gifts. We really appreciated that class, or we really appreciated what you said. Keep going. And they supported me. They actually put me through Bible college financially. And it wasn't just one big lump sum. It was little kids who said, Ross, we want to give you a dollar to go to Bible school and so on. And I absolutely went debt-free completely because God cared for me through a body of believers who, who affirmed my call and sent me on my way. So you have to have others involved in your life. So let's link it up and we'll close. If we take the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and remember, these are for people that have received Christ. If you've never received Christ, there are no gifts there yet. As soon as you come to Christ, you'll receive a gift. But you have talents, you have passions. But if you mix the gifts with your passion and your temperament and your talents, there will be an explosion of joy in your life where you will be fulfilled. And then, you can't see this very well, I apologize, but if you understand your spiritual gifts, link them with your passions, link them with your temperament of who you are, link them with the talents that you have, link them with your maturity, link them with your schedule, and identify ministry possibilities, you will have consultation from others in your life, you will see ministry focus, you will be in service, and you will make your unique contribution in the body of Christ. So my hope and my desire as a member of this church would be that a whole bunch of you would come alive and say, you know what? We need to shift our priorities a little bit. We're going to make this happen. And I will put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. I would be willing to do a short little workshop, consultation workshop with you, say on a Sunday or something, where you could come, you do the gift analysis, and I would sit with you and try and help you understand how that all would work out in your life. And I would be willing to do that to give you a kickstart in trying to identify what gift God wants you to have and has given you that maybe you don't even see in the Church of Christ. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. Okay, let's pray. Team, can you come? Father, I thank you so much on this journey that we've had that has been a little bit different from normal preaching and has been more content-driven. But you know that it has been a passion of my heart from the day of my salvation to see the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, this beautiful bride, giving back to you 
what they already have. And Father, there are many people sitting in this congregation today who you long to have to step up and exercise the gift. You long for them to find the joy that you've promised to give them if they would just do that. So whatever it takes, Lord, whatever is needed in the lives of this congregation to move us all into better service, into better looking out for one another, into better serving our community, into better touching our world, use our pastors, use our elders, use our leadership, use the gifts in the church to make us stand out for the kingdom of God. Give us a new and fresh vision of what we can become in this community, Lord. And give our leadership wisdom as they train us, as they equip us, and as they send us forth. And we will just stand up in our hearts, and we'll just give you the glory, and we'll just acknowledge that it's all in your hands. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.